Hello, Josh Brown here from Franchise Euphoria, and you are listening to Veteran on the Move with Joe Crane. I can't think of a better person to help guide veterans in their transition to entrepreneurship. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Make a plan to do away with high-interest credit card debt by transferring your balance to a Navy Federal credit card. With a low-intro APR and no-balance transfer fees, you can pick the right card to help you save more. Check out NavyFederal.org for more information. All right, today we're talking with Brad Lunt from Goat Guns. Brad, I was looking at your website before the interview. You guys, you got some awesome, cool stuff. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. Uh, If you could take us back and tell us about your background and how you arrived at entrepreneurship. So I'm 33 now, um, born and raised here in Utah. And I'd say about age 16, 15, um, I worked for my mom. She was part of a paper company supply. And what I was doing for them at like 14 and 15 years old was I was selling some of their stuff on eBay. So I had an early start to eBay and that kind of translated to online sales and just stuff, you know, learning, Hey, yeah, it's possible to make money online. So I started, um, at school, I actually grabbed some stuff from my friends and started selling some of my friends things on eBay on my dad's (laughs) eBay account. So that was a lot of fun. That was teaching me, um, you know, at age 16, kind of cool to sell a pair of jeans or shoes or, um, fidget stuff. Um, kind of, so I was like, my friends would bring items in their backpack and give them to me and I would go sell them on eBay. Yeah. So that kind of started me off with that whole, like, Hey, let's, let's try to make money online. Um, and then I kind of just kept pursuing that, um, dabbled with some online poker back in the day when I, when I was like <laughs> 17, 18, um, luckily stopped that. But, uh, I've, I guess I've just been fascinated with online, um, making money, trying to scale yourself or yeah, scale your abilities through mm-hmm. online. So, um, at age like 23, I started selling some girl nail foils Um, and this was just teaching me the process of going on Alibaba, finding some stuff and then having it. Um, so they're like girl nail stickers. Um, you put them on your fingers. Um, my wife's friends were doing some like hair stuff, girl product. And Mm -hmm. so they kind of taught me, um, they were doing really good. And so they were like, yeah, you know, just get on Alibaba and find a product. And then, so I did that with a girl nail stickers that was maybe my first like official little company called it Tenny. Um, and anyways, that was fun for a while. Um, I got a little cease and desist from a company. Um, so (laughs) also taught me, um, some legal stuff and it's like, you don't know that kind of stuff till you have it happen. And so luckily no like litigation or anything Uh pursued with that. But, um, and then after that, it was just another another store, another store. Lots of them worked. Lots of them didn't work. And then at around 25, I was 
going door to door, um, doing home security systems in the summer, mm-hmm. um, which is, it, it's rewarding, but it's also very like tolling and taxing. <laughs> um, a lot of people in Utah do it. It, it seems to have become a rite of passage almost. <laughs> so we go out and you knock doors and it's all commission based. And yeah. so you, you might, you know, make a thousand dollars one day, you might make a zero. So a lot of zero days, some bigger days, um, it all averages out, but it's, it's really hard work. Um, just mentally and physically like draining as you're, you know, trying to sell cold yeah, sell. Getting used to having the door slam in your face. <laughs> yep. But during that time, like I, I was like, you know, there's gotta be a way to scale this. Like I'm only one person. I can only go to X amount of doors, a hundred doors a day. Let's say I get one or two cells. There's gotta be a way I can scale this. So that's when I got into affiliate marketing, which is you're pushing sales for existing companies. Mm-hmm. So I started a website called alarmreviews.net um, and just that I started learning about SEO, getting it ranking for certain terms. So let's, if you're searching for a home security system, you might search for ADT reviews or protect America um, home security system reviews. So I learned about SEO and how, in, how to make a web page lander for all those key terms, get a ranking, buying links. Um, and I did that for, I grew that for like three or four years. Um, but then you're always relying on Google when it comes to SEO. Like if you're like that website was just solely SEO. So um, but it was nice. It was fun to see some leads come through it. There, there's some giant, you know, there's giant, giant affiliate companies and, oh, yeah. uh, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, but I was just a little guy, but I was at least, I found a way through that website to see more online potential and scale. You know, now I had these people using my site as a asset to help them buy a security system. And then rather than me being out on the doors, I was compensating it with the internet. So that's really when I finally started making enough money to do online full time. Yeah. So have you ever actually had a normal job or have you pretty much been stringing entrepreneurial <laughs> ventures you know, all together this whole time? Um, I did get a normal one for a little bit. I think the corporate world scares me, honestly. Uh, a little bit because I'm like, I don't know what, uh, what job I could get out there. <laughs> so I just have an easier time, um, grinding out one myself, but I worked for a company SEO company. What, so I had already had that alarm reviews website. And then at like 27, I worked for them. Um, it didn't last very long. That was probably the most corporate company. Um, but yeah, the summer sales companies, I wouldn't say they're too official of a company. Like you still, get together each day and do a little meeting in the morning, but then you're off on your own and mm-hmm. it's up to you to, you know, some kids might sit at gas stations for six hours or you can go knock. So, <laughs> and then I did work a little bit doing affiliate marketing for diesel brothers, um, before they became famous and stuff. So that was fun, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, kind of just a lot of smaller jobs, but nothing over, you know, nothing over a year corporate wise. Mm-hmm. And do you think it had anything to do with that young, early exposure to the concept of entrepreneurship or was it just how things worked out? 
little bit of both. I would say so. Um, at age nineteen, I went on an LDS mission. I always said that like military or so our like our religion pushes a mission a lot. But if I hadn't done that mission, I would have done military. I love military. Mm-hmm. But after that, when I got back, um. Remind me of your question. There's a reason I started saying that. I'm sorry. Um, I, I was yes, I was curious if, do you think you've not ever really gone into a normal job oh, or yeah. career beca- because of your early exposure to the entrepreneurship opportunity? So, okay. Yeah. So after that mission, so I'm 21 and I started doing that summer sales right away. And I would honestly say that's like what had me, um, not really get a typical job is because you can go out there for four months and make pretty good money. Some guys make good six figures. Um, I, I didn't make that much, but I made enough money that it was like hard to think, Oh, should I go get like a job that pays less money in 12 months than I could make in four months. Yeah. So that combined with the history of online stuff, like I was, you know, like I mentioned at 16, I was already fascinated with online. So I'd say those two things combined really made me want to be an entrepreneur or at least I I like controlling. I like having, I like being my own boss. I like um, controlling myself. And that's what summer sales taught me was, Hey, I'm in, you know, I can dictate, how much money I make or what hours I work, et cetera. Right. And now that you've become successful in entrepreneurship, do you consider yourself unemployable? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To a degree. I don't like, (laughs) it it scares me to think like if I needed to go out and get a job, I suppose I could find one in marketing of some type, but yeah, like I would say I'm unemployable in the sense that like I've lived this now for five years and I would have a hard, a hardest thing would be taking orders from someone um, or building something I'm not passionate about. So thing I love about goat guns and I was never like terribly passionate about security systems. And so I was really, really looking for, a way to start a full brand. You know, I'd call Go Guns a brand, um, yeah. not just a little dinky webpage that could go away and no one would know the difference of. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, hey, Brad, uh, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Sweet. Carrying a credit card balance after the holidays? Trust me, we've all been there. Let Navy Federal Credit Union help you rebalance your priorities in 2021 with their balance transfer offer. You'll save more with a low intro APR when you transfer your balance from another lender to a Navy Federal credit card. Plus, with no balance transfer fees, you can choose the card that best fits your lifestyle and be on your way to doing away with high-interest credit card debt. You can even manage your balance transfers safely and securely through the Navy Federal mobile app or online. 2020 came with a lot of unpredictability. And if you're looking to save more and take back control in the new year, Transferring your balance to a Navy Federal credit card is a great first step. Check out NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. 599 to 18% variable APRs based on product types and credit worthiness. Up to $1 cash advance transaction fees at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Messages and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more info. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. Okay, we're back talking with Brad Lunt from Goat Gun. So, 
Brad, you, before the break, you were talking about how, I mean, you had a really, you know, cool over the last 10, 15 years, um, experience in lots of different aspects of entrepreneurship. And it really kind of leads us into where the concept of goat guns came from and how you got started with that. So as mentioned, I had probably in my twenties, like a dozen different affiliate websites or small e-com stores. And I just really was wanting a brand. I really wanted to grow a brand where I'm not reliant on just SEO search, um, just social or just paid like I wanted. So with goat guns, you know, we attack, um, the SEO perspective. We do a lot of social media. We do, um, paid av paid advertising. So that way, um, cause with my alarm review site, if that SEO ever dropped or whatever, there goes my living. <laughs> and so it is yeah. pretty scary to rely on. So, um, I've grew up playing first person shooter games. I know a lot of military people also enjoy doing those. Mm. And as of recent, especially like with Fortnite and stuff, you see these companies making billions of dollars or at least millions off of selling digital gun um, skins is what mm. they call them often. Mm-hmm. So my idea was, let's find a way to bring that into real life. If people will be willing to pay 30 to $50 for fake digital stuff, which it's real to them, but it's still fake. And in five years when they're not playing the game, they have nothing to show for their money at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, if we could bring that into real life. So that's kind of where Goat Guns got started. Um, we've been around for three years and we're this year we released the M16A1. Uh, that was our only new gun on Veterans Day. Oh, so, cool. <laughs> but that's like a true s- s- one third scale in 16. But uh, from years on out, w- we plan to do uh, like three to four gun models per year. Mm-hmm. Um, up to this point, it's just uh, mold costs, things like that cost quite a bit. And I've been rolling most of most all the profits back into the company. Yeah. So, um, do, do the, do your goat guns goat stands for greatest of all time. Um, as a matter of fact, but, yes, sir. um, it took me a while to, I, I, until I went to your website, I was like, I wonder what goat stands for. Where you came <laughs> with that? But then there's that, that, um, sports reporter that came out with it, with a book just recently called talking to goats. Um, and then he revealed, yeah, it's because greatest of all time. So that's kind of cool. Do yes, do sir. your scale, do your um, like scale models of of rifles and military gear? Do, do they actually do they actually operate like like the M sixteen A one that just came out? Does does the trigger pull or does the magazine? Yes, all that out? fun stuff. So the the really? main question we get is, do these shoot? Do they actually sh- sh- fire? Um, and we answer that by saying like, do hot wheels actually drive or do tech <laughs> actually skate? Yeah. So they do everything, but shoot, yeah. um, all your actions work, the trigger squeezes, you can like the AR, you can, it builds up just like a real AR 15 would. Um, we have a lot of people like to mix, mix and match these with their real guns. So you can actually dismantle it. Yes. Really? You can. And you can throw on, so like we released the M203 grenade launcher, so you can put that on the bottom. Um, they're all die-cast metal, so the weight, like people really, that's when they're surprised by these is 
when they get these in their hand, they're like, whoa, uh, they weigh, you know, 12 to 16 ounces. They're a lot heavier than people would expect yeah. them to be. And what kind of scale are they? They're one third scale. Okay. About wow. 10 to 14 inches per model. Uh, the 1911 is 1.2625. Wow. Just, Can, just shy of one third. Being uh, Amazon sellers and having several, having gone through the mold process with several products, uh, especially with Chinese manufacturers and taking products to market like that. Um, what can you talk a little bit about what you learned going through the mold process and how you actually go about doing that? Um, like where you get the specs for all that and, and how that, whatever you're willing to share would be yeah. really interesting. Um, so we get a 3d file. Um, there's lots of places online you can get 3d files from, and then just we start the mold process. So it goes to the plastic molds first, and then we work with that and confirm what functions. Uh, we do have none of our guns currently cycle rounds, but we're working on with a big gun company actually that came to us at SHOT Show. We're trying to make their guns cycle rounds. But the whole process takes um, – like the 1911 took around 18 months. The M16, we already had a lot of the molds from the AR base made, but to make the rest of them, that took about nine months. So it does take a little while. Um, yeah. And then the cost, you know, can be anywhere from 30 to 50,000 for one, one miniaturized gun. Yeah. Wow. Set of molds. Man. And, yeah, I'm even even if you're starting with a mold in with a manufacturer in China, even if it's something really simple, you can expect it's probably going to take you close to a year, unless you've done something with them before and maybe it's just a modification of something else you've already done. But yeah, that's unfortunately that's the process. But um, a lot of refining that goes into it. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of tweaking. Um, it just takes a while, but. I've never had any luck with Amer- American manufacturers. I mean, most of the time they won't even answer my phone call or, or oh, sure. won't, even let, won't even let me in the door, you know? And I'm like, and then when, when you do get a quote from them, it's like 10 or 20 times the amount of money to try to you know, get it done overseas. Mm. Yeah. I would, I would love, you know, a lot of people ask, Hey, why aren't these made in America? And a lot of military people ask the same. Right. And I would love for that. Um, but th- there is the f- paradigm shift of like, we employ a lot of, you know, we work with a lot of companies, other companies and agencies and um, employ people in America. So there's kind of good that comes from a product out of China. Mm-hmm. Now, can you talk a little bit about, um, where most of your sales come from or what your marketing plan is with goat guns and how you, uh, get, how you make your sales, how you get the idea, the concept in front of your customers and how that transaction takes place. Yeah. So like you said, goat is greatest of all time. So our goal for goat guns is to have the greatest of all time guns. So we're working on some world war two stuff. Um, eventually world war one guns up to modern era, um, guns that are used in military combat right now. Um, we get cells. So <laughs> go guns. It's a very nitpicky product. Um, nobody likes it. Customs don't like them. 
Social media doesn't like them. Google, Facebook advertising. So it's been a very, like, the people that love them are the customers, but they're not the easiest product to promote because <laughs> the algorithms and the pictures of them, they look very real. Um, unless you see it in the hand or whatever, if you take a picture of just the AR-15, it's easily mistaken for a real one. Yeah. So Google and Facebook ad policies prohibit um, sell firearms. So early on with Go Guns, I was running some kind of what you'd call gray hat Facebook ads. I was running videos and then on the videos, I would say goatguns.com overlay, but I wouldn't actually link to goat guns or anything. <laughs> then a Facebook ad um, person reached out to me and then actually taught me, Hey, you're actually okay to advertise these. These are just toys and you can advertise. So then I reached out to an agency and we set up some stuff, but then that same Facebook ad expert that reached out to me, um, my ad account got disabled. And so when that happens, you can't run any Facebook ads. So here I am, the Facebook ad specialist came to me and she's like, yeah, come on, advertise with us. Um, throw your link in, everything will be fine. And you have my number if, um, if any of your ads get disabled. I'll just go ahead and log in and clear them through. So I thought I had this like real good in with Facebook. Well, my ad account gets disabled within like a week of throwing in the link because Facebook algorithm just is saying, Hey, whoa, you know, go guns. These are guns. No. And then the ad expert doesn't return my calls, my emails, nothing. So I'm like, just, so then I, at least before I could run those gray hats, but now my account's deleted (laughs) and we've, that was two years ago. And ever since then, it's still been like uh, off and on, like twice this year, my ad account's been disabled, which is still just like a big blow. Like, um, but we've been able to work with Facebook more closely and, get them disabled. But like, that was a very, the first time it happened, a very stressful, it lasted two months till I got it reactivated. And kind of like I mentioned earlier, um, I want to not be reliant on any one traffic source too much, but I've tried to advertise these to women on Pinterest, Pinterest blocked them, Reddit, which you would think, uh, I mean, most anything goes on Reddit, right? Well, these were blocked. I can't advertise these on Reddit. Wow. Um, We've had goat guns on Instagram. This was a big setback um, when we first, so I do a lot of influencer stuff. Uh, Demolition Ranch actually just posted a video yesterday, which is really funny um, on Instagram that you could check out. Yeah. But early on we had Instagram at goat guns and at 65,000 followers, which we started from zero and is very active, um, our Instagram account got disabled and we've never gotten it back. That's where we're at, at goat.guns now. So we've been through the ringer. It seems like, I mean, the product's awesome. People love it, but it's been a tricky one and it continues to be tricky to advertise. We've had Amazon delete our listings. Um, it's yeah, it seems that no online wow. place. Dude, I can these. totally, I can completely relate to everything you're saying because <laughs> we've had, we've had several products on, on Amazon that, um, uh, like one of them, one of them was a cigar case or a okay. cigar carrier, you know, and it, it doesn't have tobacco. It's just, a, it carries cigars, you know, 
But yep. oh, it's you, when you mention cigar, it's tobacco related. Boom, your your listing has been suppressed on Amazon. <laughs> And then you try oh. to go to Facebook and all these other places to advertise your cigar carrier. Oh, it's tobacco related. We can't do it. We're not doing yep. it. Yep. And I, I thought you know, oh. going, going way back to the, even the beginnings of this podcast, I, I never really could prove it, but I always suspected that oftentimes military related subject matter things, whether they're podcasts, blogs, anything, even if they're totally innocent, but just, just because they're related to the military, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to go political here, and that's what I'm not trying to do. But mm-hmm. I think that there's this general consensus, and let's face it, most people haven't been in the or in the U.S. military, and a lot of people don't even know anybody that's ever been in the military. So the population, you know, the military folks are outnumbered as far as population is concerned, and yeah. I think that, um, like, I would post things on certain platforms, you know, and I'd expect to get like at least a little bit of traffic and it would like be nothing. And mm. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know that things were being suppressed, but they're definitely not being promoted. Um, yeah. And you could call that a form of suppressing something, I suppose. Um, and like just, you know, with, especially with all the political and the, and the election and everything, some of that has become blatantly obvious um, on that things are getting suppressed or favored or whatever, um, yep. whether it's for political purposes or not. And I, I don't I don't doubt at all that that military related subject matter type things that are out there don't take off as much as your, your neutral stuff, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. And have you, I wanted to ask you because we were talking about this, um, what, you know, parlor parlor has made, isn't parlor like an alternative to Facebook that they, they promise they won't, I think it might even be a military guy that started it. Um, he was on the news the other day, but I don't remember what his name was, but, and then, um, uh, the, there's, there's a, there's a YouTube type substitute website that's also come out. Uh, that guy, Dan, like a gun one or I no, remember no, seeing it, it's um, like parlor is kind of akin to Facebook. I've been told I don't even have a parlor account. So, <laughs> um, but I might, I might be getting one cause I'm curious. And um, the other one is a YouTube, uh, kind of a YouTube replacement. It had, you can put podcasts in, in YouTube and your own videos on it. And it's, it's not necessarily free and clear, but it's definitely not going to suppress things like, because you have gun videos and stuff on there, like YouTube will do, do to you. Um, mm-hmm. I'll think of it here in a minute. Um, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about. I, I have seen like a gun tubes, it was like just for firearms on uh, a YouTube version of firearms. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to think. Sounds like this to, is different. Yeah, I'll try to think of the name of it. It wasn't specifically for firearms. It this is uh, like everything in, in general. Um, but I, that Dan Bongino guy, I think he used to be like in the CIA or something. But um, nice. I, I think he's big political. He's got a big political podcast nowadays. Um, he, he, uh, let me see here. <laughs> Actually a, a buddy of mine. Oh, it's called the, the YouTube, the alternative YouTube is called rumble. 
Rumble. Like, okay. Like, no, like, I let's haven't get heard ready that to rumble. Yet. So nice. I, I like a buddy of mine was like, you need to put your podcast on rumble. I'm like, oh, okay. 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 So I went and looked at, started up an account and I posted my last episode <laughs> that, that released. I posted it on rumble just to kind of see what it was like. Um, so it's similar. It's kind of similar to YouTube, probably not quite as sophisticated, but, but rumble and parlor are like two new sites that have come about. They've been around for a while, but they're getting a lot of attention because people are tired of being censored. Like, like I know a lot of guys that, um, that get put in Facebook jail, um, a lot of military guys, cause they're out hunting and they put, I mean, they'll even, even if they post like a picture of themselves with an elk that they just killed or, or a nice buck, or they've got a, they got 10 rabbits laying in front of them on the ground and like, hey, good day, rabbit hunting. And they'll get, they'll get put in Facebook jail for just, you never know what's going to offend somebody. Um, yep. and, and, and these are guys that aren't even like trying to be political about things. Um, they're just posting normal stuff that they do, but all of a sudden anything to do with guns or killing animals or fishing and showing a dead fish. I mean, it's, it's kind of getting to ridiculous to the point how much stuff does actually get censored. And, um, I, I don't know what, yeah, but I, I don't think know what Facebook online marketing is. is just a continual battle against the algorithm. And it, and that goes across every social platform, Google SEO too. Like you're just always trying to, and that's with Amazon too. Like yeah. it's kind of all algorithm game and, <laughs> And it, learn like it is in our Facebook ads, we try to not call these guns ever, you know, cause yeah. they're just, that's the algorithm you're up against. It's going to block anything that says guns, firearms, et cetera. So you kind of just have to craft your marketing in the best, if you want to be on that platform. And for us, it's a profitable platform. So we still do, but it's good to see some, you know, this rumble, some other stuff coming out where people can, for maybe it's even better for personal videos and the personal social, like it's nice to see something that doesn't get hindered. How long that lasts. Like hopefully that stays the same. Um, you know, I don't yeah. know if they ever get bought out and then eventually it, it's uh, Facebook buys algorithm yeah, is Facebook shifted buys yeah. them and just, and just makes them go away. <laughs> exactly. Cause uh, I mean, early days of Instagram before Facebook bought them, uh, our stuff would, pop off and uh, you know they're just always tweaking stuff so yeah i mean it's interesting i remember years ago like i used to listen to pat flynn all the time and he he was big on starting up a website and working the google algorithm as far <laughs> as seo and all that and then every time google came out with a new algorithm like Slap. He, he'd be making you know really good money off a particular content type website where he basically just put content. Like he came out, he did this competition one time where he was, he was going to do a competition with one of his fans on who could start up a website and get the most traffic or something like that. And okay. he, he came out with his concept was he started one called trucker.com, which was like T R U C K R.com. And it was all about food trucks he de he determined there was a there was a big niche going a rising niche for food trucks but there was no one place to go for food truck resources you know like where to buy a food truck or where to buy things to go in your food truck or how to market your food truck so he developed his whole website centered around food trucks even though he knew nothing about food trucks 
just to stand up the website to draw to drive traffic to it to make advertising money. And yeah. So I used to listen to that stuff all the time. I was fascinated with that. And uh, I think I might have even made a couple of feeble attempts about some similar things. But um, he, he, when you'd get it running just right, and then when Google would change the algorithm, it, you, he could be making you know a, a few thousand dollars a month off one website, and all of a sudden, ding, it goes to zero one day. And you're like, what happened? Yep. Like, oh, Google came out with a new algorithm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's frustrating. But, you know, it's one of the online e-commerce fights that you get to fight yeah. every day. You've, yeah, but if you've done online, you've taken hits. Yeah, so, you know, getting back to marketing goat guns, um, other than finding ways around the restrictive algorithms of all the big platforms that are out there, what are some of the other things that have been able to work consistently for you uh, throughout? Um, offline marketing. So our motto is have a little fun and we try to just have fun. So like this Christmas we'll have a little card mailer from, we, we use our Sergeant Gunner a lot and he's like, you know, an old kind of sassy, he's a, you know, military Sergeant. So he's Uh got a little spunk to him, but we try to have fun with him. So I think people should take note to offline marketing a lot too, you know, try to get your customers to talk. We, we have a 2021 calendar. That's like 12 pictures, 12 pages of Sergeant Gunner in different, like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's honestly hilarious. And so our top fans, um, we'll send that out this coming two months and that will really get a lot of offline market, uh, offline talk as well. Yeah. So, I think it's good to remember offline is nowhere near dead and it never will be. Um, and that's how you're going to get your best sales, which is word of mouth. So and does offline have a, include uh, email marketing and, and list building? Are you building your email list or is it just yep. snail mail type stuff? Um, well, well, when I say offline, I, I specific, I mean like nothing online, but yeah, we're building email lists continually and always trying to kind of have fun there. We have, we've done some Instagram filters so we've tried some of that ar stuff so i think it's just continually trying stuff um tiktok right now is working really good we've had a lot of promoter creator videos that have hit like millions we even just did one of our our pistol 1911 um a guy coded it into a deadpool and that got uh, I think it's at 4.3 million views. Huh. So wow. that's done really well. But then same thing with TikTok. We they, they won't let us advertise. And then it seems like every one of our, every other one of our posts gets um, disabled for violating community. It, it, oh, it's like illegal soliciting illegal activities or something for a tiny Jeez. toy gun. So I'm pretty sure our TikTok will probably be deleted at some point too. How do and I don't like, want to get uh, too attached to it. Yeah. Like Xbox, you mentioned Fortnite earlier, um, uh, you know, grand theft auto and all the other, you know, halo, all the other phenomenal games out there that are nothing but weapons and shooting. How did they advertise? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they they have their battles too. Wow. Um, well, hey, Brad, um, we're getting close to the end of our time. If somebody wants to check out some of your cool goat guns, where do they find you? Am I allowed to say I, gun? Oh, oh, it is my podcast. <laughs> hey, the like, podcast. Maybe I can yes, say gun. Let's I don't hope. Know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can blur, you can beep it out every time we say okay. it. Goat beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, goatguns.com, greatest of all time, guns.com. Awesome. Um, so in your entrepreneurial experiences over the years, and especially with goat guns, if you're talking to somebody that's um, looking forward to getting out of the military, um, getting there, someone getting in entrepreneurship, what kind of advice would you have for them? What comes to mind? I'd say reach out to local, trying to find somebody in the niche that you're doing. Um, I'm, mm. I've been doing, I just started doing a little mentoring through warrior rising, which is um, I'm talking with a guy, a veteran on business and he, and that person's doing some like engraving. So I was trying to help them, um, you know, promote it more on Facebook and mm-hmm. help him come up with, because of COVID their trade shows Avenue has been taken away. So, okay, how can we get this in front of eyes on other people um, mm-hmm. through Facebook or Instagram? But yeah, I would say try to, and also a big thing for me was try to find something that you're passionate about. Um, it's, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but I wasn't too passionate about any of those other websites. They're always just a means to an end, but right. I really enjoy doing goat guns. I have fun with it and it makes working on it. It makes spending those long entrepreneur hours easier when you enjoy the product. So I'd say, you know, kind of do a deep dive, make sure you, it's something that you enjoy pushing and grinding out. Cause mm-hmm. it is a bit of a ride, but it's very rewarding once you're, up and going. Awesome. Well, Hey Brad, thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial success story. We look forward to seeing your future success with, with goat guns and appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. Joe, thank you for what you do. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. We're out. Yep. Thank you for listening to veteran on the move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.